tonight what I'm going to, I'm going to share on is, I'm going to share on the peace offering tonight. And, um, you know, really, in, in reality, you know, we all know what the peace offering is. Anybody who's been in a relationship knows what a peace offering is. Okay? Bunch of flowers. Yeah, chocolates. Jewelry. Every fella knows what a peace offering is. Anybody that's been in any kind of a relationship, know, you know, you always see that the, the fella's coming with a head down and a bunch of flowers. You know that they're going to try and make something up. You know what I mean? A situation up. Um, we were, uh, was last year, we were sitting in, um, in Costa. And it's, it's connected to um, t- Tesco's. And we were sitting in, in Costa, myself and Donna, having a, having a cup of coffee. And we never go in for a cup of coffee. But we did that. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm, never, <laughs> I'm always drinking coffee. <laughs> but we were sitting out there. And I was watching this guy. And where we were sitting, we were right beside the bunch of the flowers, like all of the flower arrangements in, in Tesco's. And I could see his fella. And he kept looking at them and then back and forwards and then over again and back and forwards. And then he'd go away. And then he would come back and I was looking at him I actually put a status up on Facebook because it was so funny I said this guy either he's looking at the price of these things and he's trying to get the nicest bunch at the cheapest price or else he's in big big trouble and he left a queer bunch of flowers I can tell you and I was thinking to myself what has he done and I hope it goes well for him (laughs) but you know what we know what a peace offering is a peace offering is whenever you have you know you've got two opposing parties or there's been a separation of some degree and there has to be a makeup. There has to be something that will that will bring change, or what we would say in the Bible is bring reconciliation. And reconciliation is where two parties, there's been a separation, but you need you need the two to come together again. And what you would call that is, is to reconcile. And we understand that. You know, we understand it in the natural whenever whenever people, you know, um, get in trouble or whatever. Every man on this planet knows what a peace offering is. Yeah, everyone. And you, you, you'll always know if you forget a, 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 a major date or something like a, a wedding anniversary or a birthday or Christmas. <laughs> How could you forget Christmas? But you know what? If you forget something that you're meant to get a gift for, it's amazing. You have to come crawling the next day and you'll be at the shops as soon as they open to make sure you get a bunch of flowers or something and come back. Praise God. It's been a long while since I've had to, to bring a, a peace offering. Praise God. I've been doing good. I usually forget every date but you know my wife's good now now she tells me the date she tells me a night before my birthday tomorrow (laughs) or dropping hints for a couple of weeks leading up to it I told Donna men don't get the, the the code you know, a man don't get the code. What, you know, we, we don't read through everything. We don't know that whenever someone said it means something else. We don't know that. We can't figure that out. So I told Dan after, well, just tell me straight. You don't like someone, tell me you don't like it. You know what, if you want me to get you someone, tell me you want to, to get it. And it's made our relationship a lot easier, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> um, but you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share for a bit um, this evening just along these lines. And you know what, we're, we're going to be looking over in Leviticus for a bit tonight. And you know, when you say you're going to Leviticus, you think... Uh, I'm going to be bored to tears going to Leviticus. You'd be bored to tears going to Leviticus so you don't see Jesus. Yes. And that's the reality of the scripture. If you just go over there and just get all of the facts and figures and all of those kind of things, I tell you, it, it can be boring. It can be sitting like in a history class or a geography class or, you know, just learning about different things. You know, you, you know, you know yourself. You know what's different whenever you, you, you sit in a history class? Like, I never really liked school at all, so every class was boring to me. But, you know, but, you know and that's, that's true. But, you know, when you sit in a history class and you learn about, you know, Rome and 
and all of this kind of stuff. I didn't, I didn't, wouldn't pay much attention. But I tell you what, I, I was different when I went to Rome. And I was walking around with my eyes wide open. I walked the legs off down. And me and her walked the length and breadth of Rome whenever we were there. I was in everything. that I love architecture and art and stuff like that. So I was in my element. I was an absolute. I had her dragged around everything. We, I don't know how many. I'd love to put one of them wee mail things, you know, when you walk. To see how far we went when we were away. I mean, it was crazy. Tyler was just a baby at that time. But, but you know, it's something different about going and actually seeing it. And then sitting with a book. And learning all about it, it just—it was a completely different experience. Let me tell you, the Bible's like that. The Bible—if you just go go and look at the Bible—many times, you know, it, it can just be figures and this person and that person and that location and names you don't even understand and places you don't even understand and blood and guts and everything like—and you're trying to figure out what's all of that about. Let me tell you, the Bible comes alive when you see Jesus in the Bible. That's when it comes alive. And here's the thing, I just want to put these couple of verses out here just before we go back there, but um, over here, Luke um, 24, this is just after Jesus was raised from the dead. He appeared to his own disciples, and then also in Luke 24, he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. But I, I just want to show a couple of wee things here, what he said here. Look in verse 44, it says, and he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking um, to his, his disciples here, it says, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written, look here's what he said, were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms, that's the Old Testament, so he said here, um, all of these things had to be fulfilled, but then he said straight after these, all these things had to be fulfilled concerning who? Concerning me, Do do you know that everything that Moses wrote was about Jesus? Do you know that the Psalms are about Jesus? And the prophets are about Jesus? And you know what? If you want the Word of God to come alive to you, you have to see Jesus in it. That's why when we go to the Word of God, when we, uh, the Bible tells us we behold His face. And we're changed from glory to glory. Anytime you see Jesus, you'll change. It's hard to even explain how you change. Sometimes, how do you explain to people, just behold Jesus and you'll change? We want something more difficult than that. But God made everything easy. He made it easy so that anybody can get it. He made it easy so that anybody can change. The kids can change. The kids can get it so they can. The adults can get it. Let me tell you, you can start growing if you're saved the week. You can start growing if you're saved 50 years. You can, I mean, not start, but continue growing. Because you, all you have to do is see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, here's what happens. When you see Jesus in the Bible, just for time's sake, and I'm not going to get into it, but when you see Jesus in the Bible, you become alive on the inside. It's not just outward rules. It's not just outward laws. All of the laws in the Bible are right as in the principle of them are right, but they can't change your life. They can't change you. Laws can't change you. Rules can't change you. But I'm telling you, when you see Jesus, you begin to change. You change from the inside out, and it becomes a living. And you know what? That's really why we call even this ministry, we call it life source. Because I believe that God wants us to live out of a living experience. I don't, want, I don't believe God wants us to live out of a set of rules. The rules can tell you the right thing. The problem with the rules is nobody can keep them. 
So it doesn't matter how good you are, you always feel condemned. Now the law can tell you the right thing to do, but it can't empower you to do it. And that's the problem with it. So it's not saying that, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Big Ten, that there's anything wrong with the Big Ten. The Big Ten are good. But here's the problem, they're not good for you. And it's not because they're not good, it's you can't keep them. Has any of you ever tried to keep them? And it just be a, it's, like, it's like a baseball bat hitting you all the time and you just feel so condemned. God has a better way. Uh, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but in Romans chapter 7, God has a better way. That we're, it's like we're married to Jesus. We were, it's like as if we, there was a death. Jesus' death separated us from the law because he fulfilled it so that we could be married to him. And when you're married to him, when you walk with him, what happens is you walk with him and he changes you. I don't know how to explain it apart from you walk with him. You'll be more excited than, about him than you could ever imagine if you just tried to keep laws. Yeah. Amen. I, I don't know how it works as in... The outworking of it, apart from this, is you, you're, you're a new creature on the inside now. And there's something living on the inside of you. And when you, when you see Jesus in the scriptures, you come alive on the inside. You're, you, you, it's like in the next verse here. This is when he talked to the, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as he walked with these guys, they didn't realize who it was, but it was Jesus who was risen. And uh, it, I'm just going to cut into it here. But Jesus said to, the, to them here, he says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered, uh, suffered these things and then to enter into his glory? See, they didn't understand. You know, one, one minute they had this wonderful guy, Jesus, and you know what? Everybody was putting their hope in Jesus and the next thing he's dead and on a cross and nobody knows he's alive. But they didn't, they just couldn't. What happened was they, they could see the glory of God. But they couldn't see the suffering. They, they couldn't put the two together. And Peter talks about it. They couldn't reconcile that Jesus would come and suffer. And then there would be glory. So they couldn't work it out. So their hope was dashed. But we can read back and we can read like in Isaiah 55. And we can see him dying in our place. And then we can see him being raised on the third day. We can see all of that. But they didn't know. But they're walking this road to mess. And Jesus is raised. And he's walking with them. And they got the best Bible study ever you could ever imagine. The first Bible study after Jesus was raised from the dead tells a lot. And you know what it was all about? It was about him in the scriptures. And that's the way he spoke to them. And it said here, look, it says, um, He said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Look at this, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And, and then this Bible study starts. And I wish I'd have been there. I'd have been taking notes and everything that he was saying. It says here, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. I'm telling you, the scriptures are about Jesus. Even when you go to the book of Revelations, people miss it when they go to the book of Revelations because you know who they focus on? The Antichrist, the false prophet, and they focus on this, that, and the other. And it lets you know right in the first chapter what it's about. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's who we're to look on. Keep our eyes on him. Boys, we're getting down to the last couple of chapters. When you get down to there and you see him coming back and breaking through those skies, I'm telling you, it just all changes. Keep your eyes on Jesus when you read the scriptures and you won't get lost 
lost. People get sidetracked with Antichrist and all of those kind of things, and they're all good to study. I like to study those things myself. I like to, to hear what's happening in the world. But don't let them distract you from Jesus. Amen. People get caught up in the Holy Spirit in the sense of even in the Holy Spirit, they get their eyes off of Jesus. They get into feelings and emotions and prophecies and all of those kind of things, and they're all right in the right place. But prophecy, the, um, prophecy is, is it never takes the place of the greatest prophecy of all, which is the Word of God. It's the, it's the greatest prophecy. And when you go to the Word of God, it's the highest prophecy, but it lets us know over in Peter. It's the greatest prophecy. Mm-hmm. Go and look to the Word of God. If you want the greatest prophecy, in, in Revelations, I believe it is in Revelations, where it said the spirit of prophecy is Jesus. You want to get, bring it all back to Him and you'll never get off track. Amen. It keeps you right. It keeps you right. I want. I don't want to. I don't want to be a car crash as a Christian because it gets sidetracked. Where we we shows on the left and the right. If you keep your eyes on Jesus. You'll go straight down the middle and you'll enjoy the gifts of the Spirit and you'll enjoy prophecy and all of those things when they happen. But you won't live by them because you're looking to Jesus. Amen. Just keep your eyes on Him. You can't go wrong. I was actually sharing the other night we were talking about it when I was in America one time. There was a guy that was a Bible school and he was. Was bringing me to the airport. I was flying um, the Corpus Christi from, from Houston, and he took me to the airport. And um, on the way up, I was talking to this guy. He was a, a Mexican guy, um, but he lived in the States, and he was in the United States Army. And we're talking away, and, and I said, how'd you end up in Bible school? And I was waiting for this. Oh, do you know what? I really just have a desire in my heart to go, and it just felt like God was just, just, just leading me to go there. No, he said, a guy came to my church, and he says, and he prophesied to me to go to Bible school. And he said, so I just went. And I said to him, thank God he told you to go to Bible school? What if he had told you to marry this person or, do you know what, um, go live in another country or something? I said, you can't live your life on a prophecy. Amen. A prophecy is not, a prophecy is not for guiding your life. A prophecy may confirm what God is doing in your life, but don't live blindly on a prophecy that somebody else prophesies to you. They could have got up in the morning and been angry. And, you know, I've heard people prophesy, and really what they're doing is they're, they're preaching their convictions to somebody, or they're condemning somebody. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit didn't come to condemn us. So if somebody condemns you, you know that's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. So it's just keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll stay focused. Amen. But you know what? Here, here, here's just Jesus said, um, he, he expounded the scriptures concerning himself. I'd rather keep my eyes on Jesus any day. Amen. I'll rather keep my eyes on Jesus any day. I, 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 don't, I don't care if I ever jump out and kick the lights out because I'm so excited and all the rest of it. You know what? That won't keep me on Monday morning. But you see, whenever I have the Word of God, that'll keep me Monday morning. And not just this Monday morning, every Monday morning for the rest of my life and every Tuesday morning because emotions. You know, your emotions go high and they go low. You can be in a service and be really excited and your emotions kind of change before you even get home. You can't base your life on your emotions. Enjoy it. I enjoy all of the move of God. I enjoy, I've ran around buildings, you know, whenever the move of God's went that way when you've been there and it's really, it's not put on, it's not in the flesh, but just God's moving and I've took off running, I've shouted, I've jumped up and down, I've done all of those things in my lifetime, but I don't base my life on it. Amen. I base my life on what God says. It's a more sure word of prophecy. And the Bible says you do well to take heed to it. Amen. It's just, praise God. Isn't God great? Amen. Here's another scripture, same kind of lines. Um, look what it says here for Jesus said here, and, and he was talking to the Jews here, Jewish leaders in Romans 
or sorry, John 5, verse 46. It said, For had you believed Moses, I really rubbed them up the wrong way because these guys were the disciples of Moses. But Jesus said to him, If you'd have, been, if you'd have believed Moses, you would have believed me. He said, Because he wrote about me. <laughs> But you, but you believe not his writings. How shall you believe my words? And again, it's showing here that everything in the scriptures is about Jesus. And everything. So when you go to the word of God, see Jesus. And if you don't leave impressed with him, well then who were you impressed with? Huh? Who were you impressed with? Preachers. I, I honor, we're to honor preachers. Honor, the Bible says double honor to those that labor in the word and doctrine. Absolutely honor the people that minister and feed into your life as in. You, give, you respect them, but don't put them on a pedestal. You respect and honor gifts, but they're not Jesus. There's nobody can be Jesus in your life. And, and that's what happens many times. People emphasize um, ministries and gifts and all of those kind of things. What happens if those ministers fall? Does that mean you fall as well? Yeah. well I, I know one that will never fall off the throne. And my life's based on him. And, and no matter who, who comes or goes, I, I'm still planned to be serving Jesus for the rest of my life. And the only way you can do that is to look to him. Receive from people, love people, honor people, but don't put anybody in the place of Jesus. That's why I'm not into titles. Many times people ask me, what are you? What's your title? All of this kind of thing. And I understand that because people want to honor and all of that kind of stuff. But when people say to me, who are you? I just, I just say, Paul. And it doesn't matter where I go. When people introduce me, how do you want to be introduced? I introduce, call me whoever you want. You know, Batman, whatever you want. I don't mind. And I know there's a place, there's a right place for that as well. But the reason I don't do it is because I'm not interested. I'm personally not interested. I don't wear a t-shirt walking around the house saying dad on it. Just be a dad. Everybody will see. You don't need to wear a t-shirt saying who you are. And there's people I've met over the years and they've a list a mile long of who they are. You know what, I'm an author and, and you know they wrote a pamphlet. But they're an author. And they're this, that and the other. It's a mile long. What about, you know, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ first and foremost. And then anything else, you know what, you'll always know when Jesus is at the center. Amen. Put him first and everything else is okay. That's why I don't, I don't, um, that's personally for me why I don't, I don't like it whenever people put unrealistic expectations on people because it's not fair. I, I mean, give people room to grow. Yes, if you're in leadership or authority, there's a, there's, there is a certain standard because you lead people and you're an influence. But, you you know what, even, even for me as a, as a dad and all, I, I don't want my kids to have the stereotype that they have to be perfect because their dad's a preacher. They might pick their nose or something, I don't know. They might do, you know, Tyler, look, I don't pick my nose. But they might do something. They might say a word that you don't expect, you know, but because they're on the street and they don't know, but then you can teach them what's right and what's wrong. But they're not angels. Thank God none of us are angels, we're a higher... We're made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. No angels are. But what I'm just saying is this. Um, put Jesus first. Amen. I'll get, I'll, I'll get off of that. I won't get on to my message tonight. But praise God. Amen. God's great. Oh, God is so good. Um, and you, when you talk about it, I'm going to just look at one of these offerings this evening. I'll be, I'll be going over here in a, in a second. But... 
Um, when you look at the offerings, you know, there's, there's several of them in the Old Testament. You know, you, uh, you, ha- you have a sin offering, trespass offering, burnt offering, you know, peace offering, which I'm going to look at here for a second. And you have a meal offering. But, you know, you have all of these offerings. And here's, here's the reality of it. You know, the Old Testament, there's blood everywhere. And it just was constantly sacrificing. Sacrificing all the time. And people were so sin conscious. Do you know why? Because they were still a sinner. They still had sin on their conscience. Because none of the animal's blood could, co- it could cover sin, but it could never remove it. It could never take it away. So people still had a sin consciousness. And what it brings out in the book of Hebrews is this. Yet all of these sacrifices all through the Old Testament, and not one of them pleased God. Because it never done the job. It, it didn't do the job. But here's the thing I'm to bring out here. I'll just show you this here for a second. When Jesus was offered, it was one sacrifice for sin forever. One sacrifice. That one sacrifice was greater than all of the animals that were killed during the Old Testament. Combined. Every sacrifice. And here's another thing about all of these sacrifices. Every single one of them spoke of Jesus. They all did. They all have some angle on it. But Jesus was all of those in one. That makes sense. Every one of those sacrifices, that was him in one. But when you go back, you see in types and shadows in the Old Testament, but a type and a shadow couldn't do anything. It had no power. But I'm telling you, the real showed up Jesus, the substance. And I'm telling you, when he died for us, I'm telling you, his blood paid for our sin in full so that we don't even have to have a conscience of sin anymore. And sad to say, the church reminds people of their sin every week instead of reminding us of what Jesus done for us. We change everything. Yes. Do, you know, do you know what holds people more than anything is condemnation. What holds people more than anything is guilt, shame, condemnation. Even mental homes are full of people, full of Christians who think that they've committed the unpardonable sin and all of this kind of stuff. And it's just it's amazing. Religion has, has destroyed so many people. And people go, you know what, the, the unpardonable sin is to say something bad about tongues or something. No, it's not. There's only one sin that's unpardonable. And do you know what it is? Deny the Lord. It's deny the Lord, to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only sin. There's only one sin. And do you know what it is? It's, it's to reject the payment. That's it. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit would come, he would convince the world. He would convict the world of righteousness, sin, and judgment. It said the sin because they believe not on me. That's it, one. One sin. And yet we think it's the, you know, it's, it's other things. And so people get condemned. And then they feel guilty. I'm telling you, do you see, if you could remove guilt out of people's lives, they would be a completely different person. Amen. There's some people can't go forward because they're still holding on to the past. And the whole time for us in Christ, sin has been dealt with. Amen. Do you know, in, in reality, I'm not saying this lightly, but sin is not the major issue anymore. In actual fact, sin is not an issue anymore. It's been paid for. But here's the reality of it. A lot of people haven't accepted the payment. Yes. So if a person doesn't accept the payment, then sin does come into play. But in God's mind, it's paid for. If somebody paid off, if you have a mortgage and somebody paid off your mortgage, would you still keep paying it? Or would you live in freedom? 
I know for me, I'd just live in freedom. Amen? Well, let me tell you, we always say, pay it in full, pay it in full, pay it in full, and then we live with sin on our mind. Now, what about, you know, my, my sin has been paid for in full, and I'm going to live with the awareness that I'm forgiven now. What if we live truly with the awareness that we're forgiven? What change would that make to each one of our lives? We sing about freedom, and many times we say we're free. We are free in Christ, but in our everyday life, we're in bondage up to our necks. Because we still carry about the shame of the past. Amen? But anyway, praise God. One sacrifice for sin forever. Look what it said here, Hebrews 10 verse 7. It says, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. And then he says, It is written of what? Me. It's written of me. And you go right down here, I'll not go through all of these here, but look in verse... um, You could read this right down and you'll just see that the sacrifice was completely different. Verse 11, it says, And every priest stands daily ministering ministering and offering off times. That means over and over and over again. Do you know why they were standing? Because the job was never done. So they had to keep standing. In actual fact, in the tabernacle there was no seat. Because you never stop working. There's always more sin to cover and 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 more. And, more and here comes somebody else with a sin offering. We'll have to, that'll have to be killed and bloodshed. It's just blood, 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 blood. But you know what? When Jesus offered his one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down. Do you know why? Because it was finished. Amen. And we need to finish it in our minds that it's finished. Amen. Um, once for all. Amen. Um, verse 12, it says, But this man, after he, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. Amen. Forever. Verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Do you know, if you've been sanctified, that was one offering, one time, forever. Chew on that. That's worth chewing on. Amen. That's better than meetings. Let's all come together and we'll all sit around here tonight and let's confess all our sins tonight. You go. You confess all of your sins. What about just starting confessing that I have a Savior who died for me and he, he shed his blood once for all and his blood is greater than all the sin of the world combined. One sacrifice for sin forever. People say you make light of sin. I don't make light of sin. I make much of the blood. Amen. I believe that the blood is greater than any sin. I believe that the blood is greater than anything you've ever done or ever will do. I believe it's greater. And when you take that on, I'm telling you, it changes you. You fall in love with Jesus. Amen. When you're forgiven much, do you know what happens? You love much. And the more you realize and you see him. I'm, people say if you talk like that, there are people going to live in sin. I found this. People are living in sin. People live in sin no matter what you preach if they want to. But I've found when you see who you are in Christ, at least now you have the power to say no for the first time in your life. Amen. God's good. We serve a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Amen. Um, let, me, let me just look over here to the peace offering for a second. And uh, here's just a couple of things about it. I'm not going to get into a big study on it. But the peace offering was any animal. You could use any animal of the herd, the flock, and the goat. And the purpose of it was voluntary worship of thanksgiving. Really, it was giving thanks and fellowship with God. And it was a type of peace between God and man. Um, and we needed, we needed somebody to come and die for us because there was a big gulf between us and, and, and God. But not because of our sin, but because of Adam's. 
and sin separated man from God. It wasn't, it's not that God left. God didn't leave. In actual fact, when it was man who sinned and it was man, it's like as if God's here. He never moved. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But when, when Adam sinned, his sin separated him from God. Now, and it wasn't like as if God said, you, you over there, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. No, in actual fact, as soon as he sinned, a plan of redemption kicked right in. Because God had this plan to win back his man. And he went after the, his man. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. I tell you, God loves us. Loves us more than we can ever imagine. But you know what? Sin did separate us from God. And there's this big, huge gulf. And what it was, it's like as if there was a, a, there was a war. Because God's righteous and God's holy and God's just. And, you know, sin, sin is, is just is something that God just can't overlook. God can't overlook sin. Sin has to be dealt with. And the only way it could be dealt with was through death. But all of the deaths in the Old Testament didn't deal with the problem. But it allowed God still to deal with people. And, you know, through covenant, he still was able to deal with people. But it never, it never dealt with the sin issue until Jesus came. And then it did deal with the sin issue. But, you know, there was a separation. So we needed peace. And we need a reconciliation, just like as if, a, you know, in a relationship, if there's a row or whatever, there needs to be an offering, okay, a peace offering. What brings reconciliation? Well, a peace offering would reconcile man and God together. So the peace offering in the Old Testament was a type of that, okay? Um, um, there was a part that was given to God, and that was, that was uh, the blood was given to God, and then all the internal organs were given to God in this offering. And then there was a part that was given to the priests, and what was given to the priests was the breast of the animal, and also it was either the shoulder or the right thigh. It's the same word. It's probably the thigh. Okay, so it was just talking about here there was a part for God, a part for the priests. Okay, and then the main purpose of this um, offering, as I'm just saying, is fellowship with God. God as a result of atonement. That's really what we're saying here. Thank God that the war is over. And we are at peace with God because of the cross. This is really what it's showing. It's typifying this. This is what the peace offering is about. Amen. Let me just show a couple of things this quickly. It won't be long at this, but... Over in Leviticus, you'll see this in Leviticus 3, it shows this offering being offered three times. And it's just showing the, the three different types of animals. But it's the same thing over and over again. But let me just bring this out for a moment. It says, and if, if, he, if, if his obligation be a sacrifice of a peace offering... It says, if he offer it of the herd, so this could be not the herd, um, a sheep or a goat, it didn't matter. Whether it be or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And you know, here was the thing, when you brought an animal and it was going to be a sacrifice, it had to be a substitute. So it had to be without blemish. Okay? So, and really, here's the thing about it. The focus is not on the person bringing the animal. The focus is on the animal. That changes everything when we go and look at Jesus. Do you know what many times we look at ourselves instead of looking at our sacrifice? We look at ourselves and see, we look at ourselves to see how good we are. It's not how good you are, it's how good your sacrifice is. It's not how good you are, it's how good the one who died in your place is. It's not your goodness. So we have to bring an animal that was without blemish. Because it was going to be your substitute. And you got really close to that animal because you had to walk with that animal knowing this thing is going to die in your place. 
Do you know, we have a dog in the house, and, you know, we, we've been praying it'll get hit by a car, but it hasn't happened yet. No, I'm only joking. But, you know, I'm only joking, look at Tyler. <laughs> no, but we have a dog. But, you know, if you have a dog or you have an animal, okay, if, you have, if you're an animal lover, you just think about your, your animal, your dog, and you pat that thing and feed that thing, and, but that's going to die for you. How would that make you feel? Amen. Dan is thinking, yeah, absolutely, bring it on. No, I'm only joking. But you know what, if you, if you had to walk with that, you think of this animal, this animal was going to die for the place of the person bringing it. That's what the animal was there for. So you had to check it and see that it was without blemish, okay? And then the priest would check it as well. And, and that's, a real, that's a wonderful truth because I'm telling you, God doesn't look at you to see are you without blemish. God looked at Jesus to see was he without blemish. That's why he had to be the lamb without spot and blemish. It's not about you. Some people think, ah, uh, um, you know what, I'm not good enough. It's not about how good you are. It's how good was your lamb. How good was your sacrifice. Amen. And then it says, he shall lay his hands upon the head. When you lay your hands upon it, that was a transfer. It took your place and you took its place. Okay? You, it took your sin and you took its innocence. Well, that's exactly what happened at the cross. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Whose sin was he made to be sin with? Did he have sin? No. no. So whose sin? Our sin. Our sin. Yeah. Amen. There was one famous minister, minister from years ago, a few hundred years ago, whatever. He had, he had said, Jesus' sin was my sin. And that's the reality of it. He had no sin. So how did he become sin? He had to, it was a transfer. He took our place so that we could take his place. Do you see, sin separated man from God. In order for there to be peace, sin had to be paid for. So thank God Jesus paid for our sin in full. Amen. And then it said here, um, and kill it. Do you know you had to kill the animal? Do you see this puts value on the sacrifice? How much do we value the sacrifice? Do you see, you'll never, you'll never enjoy God's peace in your life till you realize the price that was paid for you to have it. Some people feel guilty being at peace. Some people feel guilty being at rest. Some people feel guilty if they don't turn around and say, you know what, my sins are forgiven once and for all, I'm forgiven. They would feel guilty saying that. Do you know why we feel guilty? Because we value the sin more than we value the sacrifice. That's the problem. Hmm? But I'm telling you what, if we would value the sacrifice, we'd live in peace. And we had enjoyed the peace that Jesus came to bring us. Amen. So you had to kill it and you watch. You had to watch that lifeblood flow out of that animal and see the life go out of its eyes. And you had to watch that. But really, when you were watching that animal die, in actual fact, you were, it was just, that was you dying. Because it was dying in your place. That's why when people say to me, you know, you know, people say to me and have said to me over the years, you know what, if you, if you teach on grace, you're giving people a license to sin. There's people who teach a grace message and it leads to lasciviousness because all they're looking for is an excuse to do whatever they want. But I'm telling you, when you see what Jesus has done for you, you'll fall in love with him more than you could ever imagine. And, it, and it's real. And it's living. Let me tell you, I want to I serve Jesus 
wall of my heart because of what he's done for me. It's not an obligation. It's not me paying him off. It's because what he'd done for me. I, I can't believe he did it. And I fall more in love with him every day. And the more I focus on him, the more I realize how good he is. And I'm looking at myself and going, God, why did you die for me? But you know what? This, is, this gospel is just amazing. But you did die for me and I embrace it. And you know what it does? It empowers me to live for him like I've never lived for him before. And I love him. And you're the same. Amen. But you watch that life leave the animal. And then it said here, the priest was to take it and he was to put it on the, on the, the altar. And the altar was... <coughs> The altar was the bronze altar, and the bronze in the Bible speaks of judgment. And let me tell you, the only thing that could, that could appease the judgment of God was the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that could do it. The bronze altar, it spoke of judgment, and the priest had to take the blood of that animal and, and go around the, the altar and sprinkle the, the blood. And you know, I was only one, and there's other offerings did the same kind of thing where they went into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and stuff like that. But it was all blood. It's all, it's all speaking of different things. Let me tell you, we're not under the judgment of God anymore. Amen. Do you know what the cross Jesus took all our judgment? That's what was happening. He took our place. And then they took this animal, and just for time's sake, what they did was they, they, they took the insides out of this animal, and the fat, you see, the, the, the Bible says that the fat and the blood was God's, okay? So they took all of the inside of this animal out, all of the fat, everything, and they laid it on that altar. It was on the bronze altar, and it was laid on wood, which is a type of the cross, let me tell you, when you see that, that's Jesus being laid on the cross in type for us. And that was the bronze altar. Again, it was, it was a place of judgment. And that's exactly what happened at the cross. It was a place of our judgment. He took our judgment so that we could go free. Amen. The innocent was judged. The innocent was crucified. And we, the guilty, walked free. We were Barabbas. We were identified in Barabbas. Jesus took our place and we were like Barabbas. We went free. Because the, the, the guilty went free and the innocent was crucified. Well, that's us. Amen. We went free. And, and you know why? Because God loved us so much that he was coming to pay the price. You see, when Barabbas walked off, Jesus wasn't going, I see you going to... Jesus was saying, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to take the place of the guilty and I'm going to die the death of a guilty man so that you can go free and so that you can have peace, so that you can live in peace for the rest of your life. Amen. That's what happened at the cross. It's great, isn't it? And that was a sweet savor onto, onto the Lord. Amen. That was, that's what that was. There was two other things. I'll just, I'll just talk you out. Times went this evening. But, um, you know, as, as type, and you know what? The Bible lets us know that, 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 that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was punished so that we could have peace. So that we could have peace with God. The greatest peace that you can have is peace with you and God. That's the greatest peace. We have peace, the Bible says, through the blood of his cross. See, that's what is shown in type. His blood was shed. And he took our judgment. Amen? So that we could have peace. And in actual fact, you know when the Bible says, um, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know what, there's scripture. The word, the word men there is in italics, which means it was added by the translators. 
But if you read the verse before, it is talking about judgment. And there's not, it's not even it's not a soul winning verse. But you know, it's nothing wrong. There's great songs that have been written about that. Lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to see. You know those kind of songs, and they're great. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not criticizing that. But in context, what it's saying is it's it's shown like Jesus, like the bronze serpent. Do you know the Do you know the bronze serpent was a type of Jesus? Yeah. Jesus said it in John chapter 3. It's the same thing. When I be lifted up. Do you know when, um, when, when the plague broke out amongst the children of Israel? What did they lift up? They lifted up a bronze serpent. And you think that's a type of Jesus. How can a serpent be a type of Jesus? How can a bronze serpent be a type of Jesus? Do you know why? Because a bronze serpent was taking your place and my place. He became you at the cross. And when he was lifted up, all judgment was drawn to him. That's what it's saying. He took the judgment of God so that you could go free. Amazing. It's an amazing, amazing love story. Amen. And that's why we have reconciliation today. Because he took our place. Amen. I was, just, I was going to say, there, there's two other parts there, and I'm going to close here. But um, you had the breast, and you had the, um, the leg. It's the right thigh. Yes, it, it says shoulder, but it's the same word. The breast speaks of love. Jesus said, I was in the bosom of the Father. Okay? And then we know John lay on Jesus' bosom. It's a place of love. But you know what? That was, a, that was for the priests. Am I, you know, we're the priests today? Amen? Do you know, do you know if, you, if you want to really grow as a Christian, you need to feed on what Jesus has done for you. That's what that is speaking about. The breast is you going and feed. You feed on his love. You feed on the fact that he took your judgment. That you feed on the fact that he was roasted for you, so it had to be roasted. That he took your place. See, if you sat and thought about that all day, I'm telling you, the peace of God will start coming in your life. You'll realize he took my peace. He's my peace offering. Amen? That's the love of God. And then the thigh speaks of strength. Anywhere in the Bible where it talks about this, it speaks of strength. I mean, let me tell you, you, you'll never walk, you'll never walk in the strength of God if you think God's against you. You'll never walk in the strength of God if you think you're under judgment. Do you know the only time you'll really walk in peace is when you know He took your judgment, yes. and all's left for you is His peace, and you know that with you and God. You see, God's not standing like this; <laughs> He's a handout. No. He's a handout, and he's saying, "Be reconciled to me." Amen. I'm, 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 as friendship, there's no, there's no war anymore. Sin's been dealt with. There's no war anymore. Be you reconciled to me. That's what he's saying. Love always comes before strength. There's a lot of people looking for strength in their life, and they want to be a strong believer. If you want to be a strong believer, you focus on the love of God, not, not your love for God, but God's love for you. It'll strengthen you when you know how much he loves you. Amen? Peace is amazing, isn't it? Amen? It's amazing to have peace. But you know what? I'm just trying to show here that we have peace with God. We have peace with him. And I'm telling you, when you know you have peace, what a weight comes off your shoulder when you know God's not against you. There's nothing worse than thinking God's against you. Sometimes you go to church and leave with the impression that God is against you. But he's not. He's for us. I'm for you and not against you. Amen. But you know when you see that, oh boy, you know you know everything. Once you see, once you know vertically everything's okay, everything horizontal will start taking care of itself. Amen.
I'm telling you, God loves you. God's not angry with you. We're under a covenant of peace. Amen. We're not, God's not angry with us. Go and read Isaiah 50, 54. God is not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. God loves you.